Have you ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever done something that someone was asking you to do, and you were a bit reluctant about it, but after you had done it, you were excited that you did, or, or were happy that you had? It, it could be going to an event. Maybe somebody talked you into going to something. You had a little reservation about it, but when you went afterwards, you said, man, I'm glad I did that. Maybe it was uh, meeting someone. Maybe uh, you, you had a chance to meet someone and you weren't really sure if you did want to meet them, but after you met them, you were excited about that. Maybe it was taking a class, stepping out somehow. somehow. Uh, maybe it was coming to church this morning. That's certainly a, a part of this conversation. Someone drug you to church. Someone uh, conned you into coming to church. Someone said they'd buy you lunch after church. Good job, guys. And you're just wondering, you're like, I don't know about this. But afterwards, you go, yeah, it was, that, was, that was okay. It was a little crazy, but it was, it was okay. Most of us have had that experience taking medicine. You know, on the front end of it, you're a little bit, Ugh, especially when you're a little younger. Uh, I think the medicine tastes better now. Of course, then there was Mary Poppins who said, a spoonful of sugar, right, helps the medicine go down, right? <laughs> I'm not sure how that would work out. But, you know, you end it, you, on the front end of it, you're like, oh, I don't want to take medicine. And, and, and on the end of it, you're at the back side of it, you're going, well, I'm kind of glad that I did that. Um, that's some of what we're going to talk about today. That might frame a little bit of what we're going to talk about today. Because I, I want to talk about a topic. I want to talk about a subject that on the front end, you're going to go, ugh. But I believe if we keep our hearts open and soft before God, on the back end, we're going to say, thank you. We're going to say, thank you, God. We started this series last week. Now, how many of you know that it's Lent? So many of you, for the purposes of our recording, the 600 people that are here, you guys know, you guys have heard that it's Lent. Some of you might associate Lent with amazing fish fries. Woo-hoo, give it up for the, the Knights of Columbus, right? Some, some good fish fries. But for the rest of us, for for People like me who didn't grow up in church, Lent is like, as you know, the only thing I think about Lent is a dryer or in my pocket. That's the, that's the furthest I can go with Lent, right? So Lent is, just to, just to really catch us up real fast, because it does matter with, with the, the sermon series, Lent is, um, it's, uh, it pertains to the lengthening of days that happens in spring. Um, today is the first day of, of daylight, sa- is it the first day or the last day of daylight savings? It's the first day. Okay. How many of you don't like Benjamin Franklin for (laughs) inventing the the daylight savings? All right, so all that aside. But uh, it is the lengthening of days. It it happens in the spring, and so it's, it's, it's the season, it's the 40 days leading up to Easter. And for those of you that this tradition has been near and dear to your heart, I mean no, like, I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just doing the best I can to explain it. Because I know that this is a really important thing for some of you, and uh, and I don't want you to, I don't want you to be offended by the way that I'm saying it or characterizing it. Um, so it's the 40 days leading up to Easter, and a lot of times you'll hear people say they're giving something up. I'm giving up, you know, uh, inter- the internet. I'm giving up coffee. I'm giving up whatever it is, something that would be significant in a person's life. You hear this all the time. I'm giving this up so that. I can prepare my heart to receive the risen king on Easter Sunday. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful. And, and that's the approach, man. That's the way we should go at it. Unfortunately, what I hear a lot of times is, 
I'm giving up something. Did I tell you what I'm giving up? It's kind of like the person that does CrossFit. You'll know that they do CrossFit because they'll tell you within the first five minutes of talking to them. Come on. I'm giving up this for Lent. I don't know if you knew this or not, but, you know, you don't even know them. You're in the aisle at Kroger. It's like, I'm giving this up for Lent. Oh, good for you. Oh, okay. But we sort of take that approach. It's like, I'm giving this up. You know, it's like, woe is me. And, and I just think, I just think there's something flawed in that. And I think we miss a lot with that. So I, I'm, what, I, what I like to do is, uh, as I lead this church is rather than sort of, you know, beat ourselves up or, or you know, I'm giving this up and, and we focus on what we're giving up, how about we focus on uh, getting stronger? How about we focus on building our faith? Last week we talked about building our faith. We talked about uh, focusing on the fundamentals. And I gave you guys an acronym because we talked about prayer. And I don't know if you used it this week, but this is so funny how this happens. So the acronym, if you were looking at your hand, A-C-T-S-S. A-C-T-S-S. All right, Acts. This week, no joke, I got stuck about Tuesday. I kind of hit a wall emotionally. I don't know where, where it came from. I don't know what it was. I don't know what was happening. It was really unexplainable. I couldn't think of what was going on. I was a little disoriented mentally. I mean, I was functioning. I mean, don't, don't think I wasn't functioning. I was functioning. I was, and to everyone that would have seen me, I would have I looked very normal. But internally, I was like stuck in neutral. So I was having a hard time. And I thought, man, the way to get out of this, the way to, to, to you know, to move forward in this is to pray, right? You know what I did? I put my hand in front of me, and I said A-C-T-S-S. I used it this week. I used it, and it, and it did. It moved me forward. I could immediately feel God's presence, and I was able to, to pull myself up or, or, or allow God to pull me up out of that, however you want to think of it, uh, but it worked. It helped. And, and those are some of the things that I want for you. I believe God wants for us is for us to grow, for us to develop a prayer life that's, that's powerful, that's transformative, that's meaningful. I mean, when you think of your own prayer life, if you, just, if, if you were just to talking to a friend casually, you say, well, just talk about your prayer life, just describe your prayer life. How long do you think that conversation would be? For most of us, it would be a, a sentence half a sentence, a word. When we think about our own prayer lives, eh, I don't know, I pray sometimes. Occasionally. In the morning, at night, I pray. I believe in prayer, right? These are some of the things that we might say. But how many of us would say, you know what? My prayer life is amazing. Like, it is flourishing like I can feel God's presence like I feel alive like I am I am engaged man I am there I am ready I am man it is so amazing how many of us would say that that's where we're going folks that's where we're going and I believe that as we use this acronym and you don't have to it's not a formula right I mean the government is watching but I'm not so so, 
It's an acronym, so you, you, right? So if you don't know where to start, here's where you start. And if you get stuck, here's where you go. A-C-T-S-S, and that acronym stands first for adoration. Adoration. And we started with that last week, adoration. God, you are amazing. God, you are wonderful. And I read to you Psalm 100. Remember, if you were here last week, Psalm 100. And I encouraged you to personalize it to personalize it. And then I was encouraged by someone sent me a message uh, pretty soon after that, that particular message. They sent me a message on Facebook saying, I've already begun personalizing it. I love it. And so I asked her if she would share with you her personalization of Psalm 100. Okay? So, Holly, would you come up for just a second? Listen, if you don't know Holly, you need to know Holly. She is, I was thinking of you, the one word that I would use for you, catalyst. You are a catalyst. So she's going to read for you how she personalized Psalm 100. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I have you start by writing it down. Mm-hmm. I'm a mom with four kids. I do a lot of time in the bathroom, hiding in the bathroom. So it's absolutely first in the bathroom. And if you're standing too far away, you'll see me standing on my head. So I'm just going to be totally honest. And, and Don't put that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a good technique. Okay. So sure. I say they sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's good. Helps me remember. So I'm with you now. Applaud God. Be in a joyful laughter. Sing myself into this. Know this. God is God. And God is God. They knew me. I did know them. Is there, um, we're their people. Their well conditioned. Enter with the pathway blessed. Take myself at home. Yes, yes, very cool, very cool. So that's Psalm 100 in in Holly's words. I love that, I love that. Do that, I encourage you, make Scripture your own by personalizing it, inserting your name, how, how you understand what's being said there. Psalm 100, it's wonderful, it's amazing. So we start with adoration, which is praise, which is the very beginning, which gives us perspective to pray and builds faith as we pray. This week, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about something that on the front end you might go, uh, but on the back end, I'm hoping that you'll say thank you, which is confession, which is confession. Many of us don't, don't think of it this way, but confession really is a gift. Confession is good for the soul. We'll talk about that this morning. I want to reframe the way that we think about this extremely important spiritual process or discipline. It's extremely important, but I you know you don't hear a lot of sermons about it because it, it, it is a difficult thing, and, and a lot of times we want to hear sermons that are going to lift us up, and so it takes a lot of work, and there's, some, there's a lot of, of uh, really mental work that we've got to do, and so... You're engaged with this with in this with me, and I, I'd love to hear b- feedback on this about how uh, the message of confession is is important to you. But many of us have this is the truth. Many of us have a negative view, or there's a negative association with the word confession. 
We often think about confession in terms of being in trouble or getting caught. And I, I think that's how the enemy has twisted that. Now, if this is unfamiliar to you, the enemy will take gifts of God and will twist them and they become counterfeit and then he robs the joy and the life and the love out of the gifts of God. That's what he's doing. Okay? God gives us gifts all the time. Did you know that God loves to give you gifts? And he's giving us gifts all the time, all the time, all the time. And somewhere in the middle, especially if our hearts aren't positioned towards him to receive that gift, the enemy twists a little bit, turns that gift, and then we receive it as a negative. And then we're like, I don't want any part of that. So part of the great work that I, I do, I believe, not great as in awesome, but great as in worthwhile work is to try to untwist that a little bit as your pastor to untwist that a little bit and this this uh, discipline confession is a gift it is a gift and it's necessary for every single one of us because the truth is the bible teaches in romans that every one of us have sinned every one of us Right? You could probably be familiar with that verse. That we've all sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. And then Paul, who wrote the book of Romans to the, the Roman Christians, uh, goes further in Romans 6 and says that the, the wages of sin is death. So the end of sin, or the consequence, ultimate consequence of sin, is death. So, if you put those two together, everyone sins, so everyone experiences death. And it's, it's helpful to not just think of death as being like the end, like coffin. Because the truth is, many of you are experiencing death today. There's a, uh, so I'll go a little country on you. There's a country singer, and I love this song, and I do like country too. Um, this country singer, in this song, Brad Paisley's the artist, but there's a lyric in there that says, you don't have to die to go to hell. And man, that resonated with me. That resonated with me. So, let's don't think of death in terms of coffin being in the ground. Let's think of death as in terms of not experiencing life. Or potentially torment. Or, or just extreme difficulty sadness in life so that's that's the truth every person that's ever lived besides jesus has sinned every person everyone without exception without fail except jesus right has sinned has fallen short of god's glory and thereby are experiencing death on some level in their bodies right now and God says, I can't take that. I can't stand that. That is not my desire. It's not your destiny. That is not my hope for you. And so how do we get through that? How do we go from death to life? It's a great question, right? Otherwise, we're just sort of hopeless. We're just sort of confused. We're just like, 
This whole church thing is, I'm not, I'm not about that. How do we go from death to life? The answer is confession. The answer is confession. The answer is, is, is giving that over to God, the death part, the consequence part, and receiving back his life. Because here's what happens. When we sin, and just sin means veering off of the path that God has for us, okay? Let's, let's not get caught up in naming a sin. That, that's not important. But when we sin, when we veer off the path that God has for us, we're veering somewhere, and that somewhere is into bondage. That somewhere ends us up into a figurative, into a, a, a prison cell, if you will. So I'm attached to that by that decision. In that sin, I'm giving over authority in my life on some level to the enemy. And he will use that against me. Sometimes every moment, sometimes it crops up in my life. And it hits you like a ton of bricks. But when you sin, you need to understand you are going somewhere. You're going into bondage. You're giving the enemy authority in your life. And that only leads to death. That only leads to death. Okay? And God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to experience death. And so, it's as if some of you are visual thinkers and you're going to be able to do this, but think of yourself being on the inside of a prison cell, inside of a jail cell, and you can even make it a little bit of fun if you would like, so it lightens the moment for just a second. But just imagine, can you, you can picture those movies where, you know, the guy's sort of looking around to find that big ring of skeleton keys. The big, you know, they're usually on the jailer's belt who's sleeping, snoring very loudly, right? So the guy finds a, somehow, miraculously finds a broomstick, slides the keys off the jailer's belt, and he has them, and then he sets himself free, right? Are you guys with me? Because you're like... Okay, because I like that image. But think of you being the person in the cell, except that you don't have to try to finagle and get the keys. Jesus hands them to you. And so you're inside the cell with the key. And the most natural thing is to what? To use it, to open the door. But you would be shocked. You would be amazed at how often we use the key. I'm telling you, some of you sitting in here right now have a key in your hand, figurative, and Jesus is inviting you out of the cell. Maybe we don't know how to use it. Maybe we're afraid. The strange thing about a prison cell is it provides some level of safety and security being inside it. I know what this is like. I don't know what the outside looks like. Confession is the key that releases the prisoner. Confession is the key. And God's given it to you. God's given it to you as a gift. And it's really significant and important. And even back to, all the way now, back to the beginning, talking about how we pray... Because what sin does is it 
is it numbs me, it, it, it keeps me from being able to experience and acknowledge God's presence in my life. That's what sin does. God is there because his scripture is true. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So he is there, but it, sin keeps me from being able to realize him or acknowledge that he is there. And so we need confession to connect again, to release guilt and shame, and to bring back life. One of the most famous people in the Bible, and even still today, in the nation of Israel is David. King David, if you're not familiar with King David, David and Goliath, perhaps you're familiar with David and Goliath, that's when he's a boy, God selects him to be the next king of Israel, the second king of Israel. Um, that was the height of prominence, power for the nation of Israel. They'll look back even today on that time when David was king very fondly and, and remembering and, and thinking about God as king and his provision then through David. But you know that David wasn't perfect. Did you know that David wasn't perfect? Did you know that he committed adultery with the woman? Did you know that in order to cover up his adultery, he murdered someone? Or conspired to have this person murder her husband? And that he covered the whole thing up? I don't know if you knew that or not. Sometimes we elevate people in the Bible and we... We, we do that because we, we think that they're holy and I couldn't be, and so we sort of can somehow justify the spot where we are. Um, but th David is far from perfect, commits adultery, has her husband murdered, covers the whole thing up. Today I want to look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. If you have a Bible, go ahead and flip over there. We do have Wi-Fi, so if you use a phone or a tablet, you can, you can jump on there. Um, Psalm 51 is David's confession for that sin. So just as this acronym, ACTSS, is supposed to be a tool for us to use, a pattern uh, for us to use to engage in prayer, healthy, powerful, transformative prayer, getting stronger every day, going to uh, leading us up to receiving our risen Savior on Easter Sunday, Psalm 51 gives us, lays out for us, how we confess. How do you confess? It is helpful, because here's the thing, and I know I've mentioned this a couple of times, but I want to say it again. The enemy is in the midst of all of this. And so... When we And confession is such a tender thing. It's such a trusting thing to do. And the enemy would like nothing more than to swoop into that and destroy you and to devour you and to not alleviate shame but to create more shame. And so it is important to follow God's word. It's always helpful to pray through God's word. But in Psalm 51, this is David's confession about the sin that he has committed. Go ahead and throw it up on the screen. Psalm 51, have, verse 1. Have mercy on me, God, 
have mercy. He's beseeching. He's calling on the mercy of God right off the bat. Have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. So he's, he's speaking back truth to God about who he is. That could be considered adoration also. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out, erase my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me, cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, I know what I've done, and my sin is always before me. Against you, God, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. So again, he's speaking truth and he's giving back truth. And isn't it so... um, It's so right on because when you sin, when you veer off the path of God's intention for your life, it's right there. It doesn't take long to, like, remember. Like, you don't have to go through a Rolodex of everything that you did that day to hit the one that you know is sin. Hello? And that's what David's saying. My sin is right there. My sin is right there before me. And I need to get this out. I need to confess this. First blank there on your outline, God's compassion compels me to confess. God's compassion. It's so important to begin with truth, and that's exactly what David did. It's because of your unfailing love. It's because of your unfailing compassion that I'm able to come before you and to bear this Sin, this activity in front of you, it's because of his compassion, his love, his mercy that this gift is given to you so that you can be free, so that you can experience life. It's because of his compassion. And the truth of it is, I know, God, that your love is unfailing. I know that your compassion is always there. And I know that as I confess this, you won't squash me. Which, by the way, is what we think we deserve, especially the more egregious sin. And I think it's really helpful to go to David because, I mean, he did some bad stuff. Committing adultery, killing the husband of the woman that he killed adultery with, or committed adultery with, right? I mean, that's that's bad stuff. I don't think anybody in this room has done that. I don't know, but I don't think so. So we sort of slide in under that, right? (laughs) But it's because of your compassion, God. It's because of your compassion. His compassion compels me. And he's saying to you, your name, very clearly, very intimately, very personally, I want more for you. I want more. I want more. I want you to experience me more. I want you to know me better. I want more life for you. Personalize it. Very early in my walk with Jesus, I did something that I'm not going to describe this morning, but I did something that I was very ashamed of. Very early in my walk with Jesus. 
And I was so ashamed of it, I didn't know how to talk about it. And the person that I had sinned against, I was sure would not forgive me. And I didn't want to hurt this person. And so I, I just, I, I buried it. I buried it. And most days I could forget. But I can remember distinctly. I can remember to the moment. And I was walking with Jesus. I was praying. I was reading my Bible. It is possible to do that. It is necessary on some level to do that. But I can remember distinctly the day Jesus said to me, Matt, we can't go any further until we deal with this. I love you so much. But we can't go any further until we deal with this. And I knew immediately what I had to do. I knew immediately that I had to go to that person. And confess and ask for forgiveness. And God set me free. In an instant. And I grew exponentially in him. I mean exponentially in him in just a very short time. In a very short time. And I experienced life and joy. Was it difficult? Yes. Was it painful? Yes. It was part of the process. It was part of the process. But it was his compassion. It was his compassion that compelled me, that allowed me, that empowered me to do that. And that's what David is saying here. That's what David is saying here. Let's keep going in, in Psalm 51. He's speaking truth, right? Right off the bat, speaking truth because of your unfailing love, because of your compassion. I know what I've done. I know what I've done. Will you take this from me? Will you blot it out? And it, we're skipping down for time's sake this morning. But he says in verse 10, as he has confessed, now God create in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence from me or take your Holy Spirit from me. And you just hear the, the, the humility in his voice. You hear the humility in this confession. I mean, he is totally humbled here. He is totally dependent here. God, I, this is what I've done. This is what I've done. And now, God, I need you to bring back life to my heart. I need you to create in me. And that's a good prayer. That's a good way to confess. As you say to God your sin, Lord, now create in me this pure heart. And the pure heart is the, is the one that desires to follow Jesus. My desire is to follow you, you, Jesus. Don't cast your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, I need you. You need to understand that a confession is an exchange. A confession is an exchange. God takes my sin. He takes the death related to my sin. He takes the bondage related to my sin. And He gives me freedom. And He gives me life. And it's almost immediate, and sometimes is immediate. And even as we walk that out, we experience it more. You know, you know the relief that you feel whenever you let that go. I would venture to say that many of in this room, many of us in this room have done something that we're not so proud of. We've done something that when we got caught, 
we were a little worried about getting caught, but what'd you feel? You felt relief. Oh gosh, I don't have to hide this anymore. I did, Mom. I broke the lamp. It wasn't Johnny. It was me. I'm so sorry. I kept that from you. I don't have to hide it anymore. I don't have to lie anymore. I don't have to cover it up anymore. I don't have to act like I don't know what happened. Man, there is just an overwhelming sense of relief that comes. There's this exchange. I'm giving you, God, this in my life that's going to cause death. This in my life that's causing this roadblock between you and I. I'm giving you that. Now, God, breathe your life back into me. Again, I want to say to you, personalize it. Just like Holly showed us this morning. Personalize it. However you might say that. However you, God, I really blew it. Here's what I did. It is important to say what you did too, by the way. I really blew it. Here's what I did. And it's because of your compassion that I'm allowed to do that. And it's because of your love for me that you'll exchange that for new life in my heart. And I will tell you, I promise you, you will grow exponentially. As you do that, you will grow. You will know Jesus differently. You will know him better. You will know him faithfully. So David says, create in me a pure heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then finally, towards the end of the, the psalm, and again, for time's sake, I'm not reading the whole thing, but I encourage you, encourage you to read the whole thing. All the way down to verse 16. It says this, You do not delight in sacrifice, God, or I would bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, I don't have to make a deal here. And that which is sometimes what we try to do. We try to make a deal. And we misunderstand God's complete forgiveness. We misunderstand his complete compassion. Because we say things like, when we confess, we say, and I'll never do that again, God, I promise. And he's saying to you, son, daughter, you don't have to say that. My forgiveness isn't conditional. I've already forgiven you. It's not conditional. God, if you, if you just forgive me, I'll go to church every single day. Twice on Sunday. And he's saying, you misunderstand. You don't have to do that. There's no deal here. We're not negotiating. You can't be good enough to get rid of your sin. You can't. You can't make enough deals. You can't beat yourself up enough. You can't be mad at yourself enough. You can't do enough penance. You cannot get rid of your sin by yourself. One of the most loving things that God says to us is stop trying. Oh, the relief, the release. You mean I don't have to promise that I won't ever do it again? No, you don't. I don't have to promise that I'll, you know, stop swearing or I'll stop going to church or I'll start going to church or I'll start doing this or I'll stop. No, you don't. Nope, it's not the way that it works. Aren't you excited? Aren't you glad that that's not the way that it works? 
<laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. It's not something that I'm bringing to you, God, in addition to my mistake or in addition to my mess or in addition to whatever it is that you say you're bringing. It's not, you're not looking for me to do more, is what David is saying. You're not, you, you don't need me to do more. What you want is my heart. That's what he's after, folks. He's after your heart. That's why confession is such a great gift. Because in that, I can remove the obstacle that's keeping me from God. It's keeping me from understanding Him. It's keeping me from hearing Him. Finally, in confession, God is asking for your heart. Broken heart and a contrite spirit, God. That's what you desire. That's what you want. I mean, simply put, what he's saying is, what I want is you. What I want is you. I don't want you to make it up. I don't want you to pretend. I don't want your religion. I don't want you to make it less than what it was. I want you. I want you. Your broken heart. I want you. That's what God's saying. And anytime we try to add to that sacrifice, he, he corrects us and says, you must understand, I don't, need, I don't need more than that. I need you. I don't need to negotiate. It's already been done. It's done. And through confession, through confession, we're able to realize that and exchange my sin, which results in death, experiencing death for his life and his pure heart. Now, what I will say to you is this requires a lot of trust. And so it is okay to start small. It is okay to start small. To begin to, trust is like a muscle. It's like a physical muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. So you trust God. And then you continue to trust Him as He responds and it strengthens that muscle. The last thing I want to say to you is this is, this is so critical. This is a Holy Spirit-guided moment. You cannot and should not do this without the Holy Spirit. Because, again, the enemy is lurking in all of this. And as you're stepping out to trust, we're asking the Holy Spirit to help us and to protect us, to lead us in this process. It's not just you out there on your own. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you and protect you in this. And we have to have that. Otherwise, man, we just go to this weird, ugly place where we start cataloging our sins. And we start talking about how, you know, our sin, uh, these, you know, does it make sense? So we need the Holy Spirit. So here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Ask him. Here's how you do it. Ask him. And I'm going to lead you in this prayer in just a second. So 
If you want to run out now, now's the time, I guess. They're not doing that because of that, but I don't think. But it's God, is there anything between me and you that you want to get out of the way? Is there anything between me and you that you want to get out of the way? Let's just do that now. Let's just do that now. It's helpful to close your eyes. You don't have to. It's helpful just to focus. Come Holy Spirit. We know that you're here. We know that you're with us. God, you are amazing. You are awesome. We say together, Lord, we trust you as best we can in this moment. We trust you. And now, church, I just want you to ask God personally. Ask him mentally. Is there anything between me and you right now that you want to get out of the way? Is there anything between me and you? Is there anything causing me to experience death in my life where you intend for me to have life? And however you might say that, personalize it. But do it with the Holy Spirit. I believe that almost every one of you have a thought in your mind that the Holy Spirit brought to brought. And confession simply acknowledges that. Yes, God, this is this is what I did. This is what I did. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Would you help me experience life where I'm currently having death? I just speak freedom in this place. Some of you are going to physically feel like a weight being pulled off of your shoulders. Some of you are going to physically feel. It's amazing how the spiritual interacts with the physical. You can physically feel God doing something. And some of you are going to shift into second gear and now start thinking about what you need to do about it. And I just want to tell you, stop. Don't do that yet. That's, that's the Holy Spirit's business. That's the Holy Spirit's business. Our work is to confess. Our work is to confess. God, I thank you so much for every person here this morning. I thank you so much for your just amazing love that you have for us, that you've given us the gift of being able to confess and to receive your forgiveness and exchange death for life. I bless that, Lord. I bless that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.